Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast, where we're all about commander, data, and dad jokes. I'm Joey Schultz and I'm joined by my fantastic co-hosts. Up first, he shrunk my Myco Tyrant card, which turned it into a Micro Tyrant. It's Matt Morgan. So on our first date, I took my girlfriend to the ice rink where entry was half off, and I Aww. thought that was a pretty good deal. Turns out she just called me a cheapskate. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a really good way to break the ice, but it turns out it wasn't. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Matt, this is not fair. I came fully prepared into the show like, oh, I'm, I'm so excited to talk. And you've just blown every other thought out of my head because that's one of the best jokes you've ever told. Holy crap. So you're saying that the show is skating on thin ice as far as being productive and helpful. Up next. Um... <laughs> That was wicked good, Matt. I love that. Up next, he loves the new disguise keyword, and he just can't wait for Wizards of the Coast to pull a Megamorph and make Mega Disguise. It's Dana Roach. Yeah, you can't really tell behind me, but we had a small earthquake here today, um, so things were a little bit shaken up. It's not my fault, um, but it's <laughs> not definitely your... a fault. I believe uh-huh. technically, I believe it's the the New Madrid seismic zone fault, but it's not mine. Mm. Interesting, interesting. What an interesting line for that fault line. No, actually, I can't keep up with you guys. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Dana, what are we talking about in this week's episode? <laughs> Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about um, something Jim actually said recently in the most recent Commander Rules Committee update, um, mm. playing weird cards that don't have a home elsewhere. Yeah, I am excited to get into this. It was a really interesting line from that update, and you were like, hey, what if we, like, can we make a whole show about these cards that, like, are just, like, bring a lot of charm into Commander? And we're like, yeah, let's do that. So I'm excited to get into it, but we've got some shout outs to do before we get to it. Up first, we want to thank Chase, aka Mana Curves, for their terrific work on the post-production of the show. Mana Curves, Chase, thank you so, so much. And we are now a member of Team Ultimate Guard, so when you see us at MagicCon Chicago, we will all be rocking these uh, sweet Ultimate Guard deck boxes and see our nice katana sleeves. Fantastic product, and you absolutely should check it out. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by subscribing on YouTube, liking this video, subscribing to your local podcast app, or you can go to patreon.com slash edhretcast, where we have patron tiers of all sorts of levels, whether you want to join our Discord community. There's so many features over there, some that are upcoming even. Ooh. More news on that in the future. But 
go to patreon.com slash edhretcast for all of those awesome ways to support us there too. So there's also a great feature, great benefit for all of our patrons, the weekly and coveted patron shout out. And this week, Benjamin Collins, thank you so much for Collins in that your home page <laughs> on your browser. <laughs> I don't know if Ben. I don't know if uh, Matt. <laughs> that was Matt, a <laughs> that was a stretch, but I liked it. I don't know if Ben is twenty one, and I wanted to ask about his uncle Tom Collins, but <laughs> I Matt, I gotta say, you, like from your ten out of ten dad joke from your very intro to Collins at home, I, I feel like there's been a slight <laughs> change in the, in the atmosphere here, a slight dip. It's, it's I, I'm, I'm, I thought it was warming up, but turns out that's not good for ice. Um, <laughs> Frosty the Snowman didn't do well in snow or do well in the heat, so I'm not either. Oh my goodness! Sorry, everybody. I tried. I tried. But Ben, either way, thank you for the support. Yeah, thank you so much, Benjamin, for Collins at your home. You know, what? actually, the more I say it, the more I like it. So never mind. I, <laughs> See, there you go. It grows on you. Yeah, it really does. All right, so guys, we are going to get into our main topic here. Um, and Dana, as you said. There was that update from the Rules Committee a couple of weeks ago, and there was a really terrific line from uh, Jim LaPage, as you said there, uh, that said, if you're reading this, one way you can help to preserve Commander's Charm is to dig deep and play weird cards just because they don't have a, a home elsewhere. And that line really resonated within the community, and especially, I know, with you, which is why you wanted to make a whole show about it. So I'm actually just going to like pass this all off to you. Where are you at? Where do you want to start when it comes to that vibe, that idea, that that idea for a whole episode to, to be about. Yeah, so the first caveat I want to throw out there is this isn't a challenge to stats, the show kind of situation. Like that's one where we're talking about cards that are just generally good and should see more play and get overlooked for one reason or another. Mm. Um, this isn't that. Not that we're going to be advocating you run Crawworm in your decks or whatever just to do it. But like we're talking about here cards that just aren't going to see play elsewhere and should see a little bit of playing commander because they're fun and they're interesting and they're something different and they just shake things up because they're not going to see play. Technically, Ristic Study is going to be better than this card that we're going to suggest for, you know, your blue deck or something, but these cards are interesting and sometimes that's what the game is all about. Yeah, we, we talk about all the time on this show, just because we're about EDH rec and what people are playing, we still love just being able to get to play these cards that we never maybe didn't get to play them in 60 card formats. They just completely skipped that. Or we played them in 60 card formats a little bit and they're just fun old random cards that just we just bring joy to our hearts. And they're they're not obviously the optimal cards, but they're still the cards that like we choose to play. And those are the, for, for me at least, those are my favorite cards. The cards that you, you don't have to play, you choose to play those. Yeah, that that's absolutely. These are the the little. I, I, I'm hoping just an episode full of little cards that bring us joy. <laughs> just like because because where else are we gonna get to play these? And these little things, they're they're not great, but that's the point. They're they're the type of cards that you look at them, and you go like that. That is what Commander is about to me. Um, Matt, is there a place that you'd like to start off? Well, I mean, I was talking to to Dana about this earlier before we started, and my whole Raga Draga deck, I feel like very much applies to. Oh, this this is Commander. This is some some shenanigans that you don't get to do other places. Mm. So for those of you who don't know, my Raga Draga Gorguts boss deck, that is my Eldrazi deck. And you might think, well, yeah, because Raga Draga's ability to, whenever you cast big spells, you get to untap creatures and pump it up quite a bit. 
But actually, this is my Eldrazi deck because I play Eldrazi Scions and Eldrazi Spawns in there because they have mana abilities. And I don't know about you, but where are you going to see cards like Rapacious One in just really any format these days? Nobody's paying six mana for that effect. That's a kind of a perfect example here too, Matt, because a lot of the cards that I'm going to mention here are in my decks because like I've chosen to do a specific thing in that deck. And I think that's a really great backdoor to find reasons to run these cards. You know, if you are playing an artifact-centric deck, maybe you want to decide to, like, I'm going to run no enchantments in this deck mm. because it's an artifact deck. And therefore, you have to figure out ways to do things that you would normally do with an enchantment with an artifact. And that's going to lead you to find cards that you would not otherwise run. That That's a really good way, I think, to do that. And and you've, by doing that with this Gorguts deck, you've found a whole bunch of cards to play that wouldn't otherwise probably normally see play in a deck that would be filled with variations on the Land of War Elves, say. Yeah, those Land of War Elves, like the, the a bunch of Mandorks does tend to be the typical way that you see Ragadraga built, but instead you've opted for like, hmm, these other things have some uh, nice mana abilities, which I find very, very in- enjoyable every time that I get to see it. Yeah, I, I and I still have some of those cards. Like I still have Bird's Paradise because, I mean... I want to cast all my spells, but then I'm casting Birds of Paradise so that I can later cast Birthing Hulk. And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I, there's there's maybe like 60 other people that are actually playing Birthing Hulk. And that's just one of the, the, the fun things that I, I just, I really enjoy about this deck too. And the, there's other options too, like Outpost Siege, so many people play in, in just a ton of decks. But looking a little bit deeper, like there's, there's Brazen Cannonade, which is just, that's a really silly one that I like a lot. So there's a lot of just fun little interactions that just kind of led to me really just enjoying and digging into this deck specifically because it's so many things that I don't get to do in other formats. It's it's just something that's only going to happen in Commander. I, I got a shout out, by the way. Your Brazen Cannonade tech in that deck is amazing because it says whenever an attacking creature you control dies, it deals two damage to each opponent. You attack with mm-hmm. your Scions and then mid they deal damage and then in the post-combat, they're still technically a, a attacking creature. So you sacrifice them for mana and then you deal damage, extra damage on top of it. It's, it's freaking brilliant. I absolutely love that. It's 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 a very good card, folks. That's that's not a, a commander-only thing. That's just, that's just a very good card. But I do need to say that there is someone else who plays Birthing Hulk a lot, and that's actually Dana because he's got an Eldrazi Scion in Spawn deck too. Which is funny. We kind of independently both at the same time built two different decks designed entirely around Eldrazi Spawns and Scions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is bizarre. But yeah, I mean, in same same thought process there. I, I had built a deck, Jahira, Agent of the Iron Throne, and I'm like, what could I do that was different with this particular combo of creatures? And I did the same thing, Eldrazi Spawns and Scions, and I have a deck also filled with a bunch of those cards that, you know, if you look at EDH Rack, 5% of the people playing them are you and me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, and that's just it. Where else are you going to see someone play Dread Drone, which is like a five right, mana yeah. make two spawns? Like that is limited draft chaff ultimate right there. But like that is the thing that's charming about Commander is just like, oh yeah, I found a place where this card can actually be kind of decent, and that there's no way that doesn't feel absolutely amazing. Yeah, another one. You know, I, I've talked recently. One of the more recent decks of mine is my is my Calife uh, beloved of the Sea deck. Hmm. Um, it's it's a mono blue deck. Voltron built around devotion to blue. And because I want to have as many blue permanents in play as possible, one of the things I decided to do with that deck for a theme was I'm running no instants or sorceries. It's entirely a permanent based deck, mm. um, which is a pretty unusual thing to see for a mono blue deck. Um, colors known for reacting at instant speed, particularly with counter spells. So as a result, I've had to run a lot of kind of oddball things in this deck that I wouldn't otherwise run. All of my counter spells are 
the counterspells on creatures with flash. I have to do things with enchantments that I would otherwise try to do with um, with creatures. You know, all my draw mechanics and stuff are, are cards like Insight, where I, I, I draw when someone plays a green spell. I, I mentioned Rhystic Sunny before. Rhystic Sunny is a much better card um, than Insight, but like when all of my things have to be on enchantments, I have to dig pretty deep. So I'm running a card like Insight in that deck. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a similar thing to your Raga Draga deck back where when, when you have made these decisions to try to um, do something outside the box, that's when you find these cool cards that just aren't going to see play elsewhere. So do you have anything, Joey, like we mentioned one from Matter Eye, where like you've specifically taken kind of a weird direction with a deck and as a result, it has some strange cards that like just don't normally see play? Oh yeah. The, the most recent deck that I've built is a, a Rule Zero Time deck. Um, where uh, it starts with the ninth doctor, and then if I ever have to recast the commander, it becomes the tenth doctor, and then the eleventh doctor, and then the twelfth doctor. So I'm playing a rule zero Jeskai deck, which I'm way out of my element because I'm Mr. Golgari. What am I doing here with Jeskai? Um, but I wanted it to feel like I am playing with time as much as possible in that deck. So I finally found a home for one of our very first preview cards, which is Aeon Engine, the artifact that reverses the game's turn order, which shows up in... 1900 decks right now and it's like it's not it's not a great card but like where else am i gonna get the chance to play this like i I love that and i also like i was playing back in the original ravnica and also into the time spiral and future sight block and like one of my favorite cards from planar chaos was chronozoa a little amoeba flying three three that slowly vanishes and if it completely vanishes it does a mitosis and now you have two copies of it and then those will slowly vanish and then you've got four copies and etc etc and if i'm playing with time counters if i get to time travel Y'all, I want to flood a board with Chronozoa so bad. This card is not great, but where else am I going to get the chance to do this? Like, that is fully the thing for me with this. I was just like that. I look at these cards and I'm like, this is what Commander is about to me. I, I want to make people smile with these cards because I, I absolutely think that that's the reaction that people will get when they see you're playing Aeon Engine. You're playing Chronozoa. I haven't seen that card in ages. Like, that's what this is about to me for sure. Yeah, there's there's so many different things, and especially too, it's it's fun to get to play old cards that you maybe played when you were doing other formats. I mean, for me too, my Sig River Guide deck that just harkens back to when I first got into or got back into Magic, I should say, and just a bunch of cards that they weren't really getting played anymore. Like maybe some of them here and there, but like yeah, Merfolk is a, a deck for Modern and Legacy, but then also I'm putting it next to like some really not great commanders are really not great cards to like enclave cryptologist <laughs> it's just like back when it was like oh these are cards that i just have laying around is that the level up merfolk that like that is the level up merfolk and if you invest i i want to say it's like six mana total into it after you cast it you can tap it to draw a card that's where things really get powerful yeah card, card's not great but like you can't there, there's no way that doesn't bring a smile to your face when you see these old things right like that that, that is an yeah. interesting yeah position we find ourselves in commander these days where it does feel like we kind of sometimes run the risk of optimizing the fun out of our decks so yeah if you can find these things it's just like oh i don't know where else i would get the the chance to play this and it feels nice to stay in tune with that side of what got us into commander in the first place yeah and just playing i want to say playing back then swings felt even more swingier i don't think that's a real word but when you cast when you cast a card like overwhelming intellect one of dana's favorite cards you just got this massive, massive swing, but also there's probably like 13 mana involved with casting those two spells. Well, it, it was also like, it, it was easier to find deep cuts back then and surprise people because Commander was a new thing. Mm-hmm. So what what counted as a weird underplayed card 10 years ago was a whole different beast than it was today. 
Ristic Study was a weird underplayed card 10 years ago. Right. <laughs> and yeah. that, you know, that is not how the game works anymore. So, like, if you were want to be outside the box, you have to dig a little bit deeper and, and be a little bit more intentional about it than maybe you once did. But there's still a lot of fun gems to be found out there that work really well in decks if you want to do that kind of a deep dive. Yeah, like Ristic Study wasn't always a staple, but then on the reverse side, Mind's Eye kind of was a card that a lot of people <laughs> yeah. had to put into decks, mm. and you still have a chance to play Mind's Eye. Like, it's been cut from a lot of decks, but that doesn't mean you can't still play it. It's still a still great effect. Yeah, ten, 10 years ago, Ristic Study was maybe the weird card that didn't see play, and Mind's Eye was maybe a staple. And the inverse is true. Today, you might well <laughs> drop a mind's eye at a table and it, you'll look like you're playing something strange no one had seen before. So I have a Val Candlekeep Researcher and Haunted One background deck. Um, and the, the, the point of the deck is to basically swing at people with a bunch of buffed up mages. Um, because of the way Val works, um, I, can, I can tap her to add mana, mana pool, um, but I can't use it to cast spells from my hand. And Haunted One, whenever a creature, uh, whenever my commander becomes tapped, it gives creatures that share a creature type plus two plus O oh, and undying. Hmm. Um, so the point of the deck is to to tap and untap Val as many times as possible in a single turn because the Haunted One trigger isn't restricted to once a turn or on attack. So if I can tap and untap her repeatedly, I can bump a bunch of buff a bunch of mages up and swing in for lethal with a team that wouldn't normally look like it would be swinging at people. Um so, so that number one lends itself to running a bunch of strange cards. But beyond that, because I'm I'm creating so much mana when I'm repeatedly tapping and untapping Val, it becomes beneficial to run a bunch of bad draft chaffed mages like Azur Mage <laughs> that sure. don't see play otherwise, that have a just an ability that doesn't require you to tap the mage, spend three in a blue to draw a card. That's not a particularly good ability, and no one's really running that that creature. But in that deck where I'm going to oftentimes be making in a single turn, you know, six or eight or ten mana that I can't use to cast a creature spell, I can just throw it into the Azur Mage and draw, you know, three or four cards. Um, so that deck, because of how I've chosen to build it, there's 32 creatures in that deck, and 22 of them are probably ones that you would look at and like, why is that in this deck? Mm-hmm. So again, it's it's just an, uh, a a a reason to look to build something that's slightly different than maybe what you would see because that's another way that you can find yourself just putting a bunch of weird cards and decks that wouldn't see play otherwise, and that's how you wind up with Frostwind Evoker in your list or Gem Palm Sorcerer or Mystic Archaeologist or forbidden inspector and and those cards are also obscure that i just made up one of them and you're not really sure which one i made up right <laughs> I, I was gonna say i don't recognize at least three of those cards you <laughs> yeah. just said he made up all of them actually Maybe i made them all up we don't we don't know <laughs> right that is, is fun yeah taking those like little weird like what does that do type of cards and like actually promoting them into you're being beat down by a little draft chaff uncommon like is mm. a, a very that that that's a cool thing that you only see in commander and i guess in limited but like uh, yeah. <laughs> right yeah yeah it yeah it, it just it feels it feels like a wonderful thing and i love the way that like these charming cards, these these interesting, I don't mean literally charms, uh, I mean cards that like have a charm to them, Right. <laughs> uh, th they can manifest in some different ways. Like there are the pet cards that you have that you're like, ooh, let me just run this just because. And then there's also yeah. like cards that can guide the entire direction of a deck. Um, for me, for example, Baneful Omen is one of those. Like 
it's a seven mana do nothing enchantment. This is not a good card in a one on one format. Uh, this is the seven mana black enchantment. Beginning of your end step, reveal the top card of your library. If you do, each opponent loses life equal to that card's converted mana cost. You don't even draw the card, it stays there. But I've been able to like kind of shape my entire Yonette deck around this because the entire deck is like doing you know cheating stuff into play uh if it has an odd mana cost when Yonette attacks which is really really fun but my favorite way to win is with Baneful Omen and I did like over time I kind of tried to direct the the deck a little bit away from just like oh Yonette is the powerhouse here and, and more into like can I make a string of things happen where I'm Baneful Omening and I'm Keen Duelisting and I'm also Twilight Profiting, and I'm using the Soren that also has this a bit. Like, I'm just trying to just put stuff back on top of my deck just for the Baneful Omen trigger as many times as possible, because that's hysterical to me. So there are the pet cards, and there's also the way that these pet cards can actually completely reshape the direction that your deck is going to go. I mean, well, if you want to talk about cards that just reshape what the deck is doing, Joey, you and I both have a Top Deck Matters deck. Yours is very, very different than mine, though, because mine is my Vivictus Asmati, the Dire deck, mm. which is all about what's the wildest thing that I can cheat into play for everybody. And like, yes, I, I am playing good cards, quote unquote. Uh, you can say that like both of the Atalis that are in there, they're, they're good cards and they're powerful for sure. Yeah. Woodfall Primus, pretty close to a staple. But Avatar of Slaughter is neither of those things. <laughs> Avatar of Slaughter is a eight mana, eight, eight, that all creatures have double strike and attack each turn of able. And it was originally printed in the original commander product. And it's only been reprinted up until recently. So it's, it's sat there for a long time, not doing anything, but that's a card that just absolutely just makes me laugh so hard whenever it happens because just the chaos it causes on the table. Well, and that makes sense, Matt, because you can't spell slaughter without laughter. It's very, very true. When you cheat that into play off of your Vevictus trigger mid-combat, and then suddenly everything has double strike? Mid-combat. What are we playing Commander for if not that type of moment? Well, and I recently put in Arcfiend of Depravity, too. I hadn't seen that card. I forgot it even existed until I was sorting cards out because I was giving some to some friends of mine. And I was like, wait, wait, that card... That card still exists in 2024. It was great back then when Fate Reforged first came out. I think everybody kind of forgot about it, but I still think it's absolutely great. Oh yeah, I, I love that one. Uh, that's So five mana, five, four, beginning of each opponent's end step, they choose up to two creatures that they control and then sacrifice the rest. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, good board control helps you deal with enemies who are like, oh, I've got a bunch of tokens. And you're like, nah, no, you're not. But there's there's kind of an interesting lesson that we can learn from this when we when we look at its EDHREC page. Like it's showing up in 37,000 decks. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. But its most popular commanders tend to be this is a commander that cares about demons. You got your Rakdos, the Showstoppers. You, you got your Bellacor, the Dark Master. Yeah. Your Vivictus deck does not feel that way. Like, you're you not like, oh, I need to... Do, does, does not care. Yeah. And, and I think that that's also kind of a habit that we sometimes slip into. And, like, it's a good habit, I, I think, where we do want to extract every iota of value out of a card, mm -hmm. down to its mana cost, down to its power and toughness, down to its creature types, down to its keywords, down to its text box. We don't just play an individually good card. We want it to have those branching synergies, those ripple effects throughout the rest of the deck. And those are really fun moments when you can make them happen. But th th there's also like, sometimes you just play a thing that is like, yeah, this is just efficient. This is just gonna get the job done. And I don't need to worry too hard about like mm -hmm. having those big massive ripple effects. And I think that you embody that really well when you are finding cards like these to play in your gigantic dragon deck that's cheating ridiculous stuff into play. Yeah, well, and, and a lot of decks too that care about cheating things into play, they wanna keep them in play, but I'm also playing stuff like Morbid Curiosity, which rewards me yes. for sacrificing bigger and dumber things. So. 
it, it's just some of those fun things. And then I think my, well, your favorite card in this deck, Joey, uh-huh. is Ugin's Nexus, You're which right. is only in 10,000 decks right now. And like, that's still, it's still a fair number, but it's just, you don't see it a whole lot because I remember when it was originally printed, the reaction that everybody had to Ugin's Nexus was like, well, why would I want to pay mana and then have to sacrifice it later? <laughs> yeah. That just didn't make sense to, to everybody back then. Oh, uh, Ugin's Nexus is so dang good. You use this in your Vivictus deck. I use this in my Baba deck. Yeah. You using a Morbid Curiosity on this card is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a dang game. Ugin's Nexus is the five mana legendary artifact. If a player would begin an extra turn, they have to skip that turn instead. But if Ugin's Nexus would be put into a graveyard from the battlefield, instead exile it and take an extra turn yourself. So like... Our commanders, we can both eat this artifact, which is why we love it so much. But you also have like other cards that are just like, and I'll sacrifice it and draw five cards while I do it with the Morbid Curiosity. And yeah, those synergies are just terrific. And again, 10,000 decks for Ugin's Nexus. If anything, that's higher than I thought it would be. But there are a lot of cool ways to manipulate this cool card that is doing something that you don't usually get to see. So we've been talking for a while here about cards that are just fun to play that and weird and different, but maybe we can actually challenge some cards that should be played for statistical reasons and, and yeah. challenge some stats here. Yeah. I can't lie. When you first started talking about the, um, <laughs> about like the topic, you were just like, and we don't want this to be like a challenge to stat show. I had this like reflexive 2023 reaction of just like, is he about to take the challenge to stat segue? <laughs> we're like two minutes into the show. Is he about to do this? Thank goodness we're not though. Think I, I need to learn to move past that. <laughs> But yes, Dana, you're absolutely right. We've got some stats to challenge here on the website because there's a whole bunch of them, but we don't always agree with them. So let's take a quick break and come back with that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, I'm going to start us off with challenge the stats this week. And I have a challenge for the Sliver Grave Mother decks, which came out in the Commander Master set. Um, kind of a mess of a precon specifically that mana base, not going to lie. And Commander Masters in general, also kind of a mess. But that's not what we're here for today. If you have a Sliver Grave Mother deck, there is a card that I think is probably showing up a little bit too much, sort of a holdover from some precon effect situations going on there. And that is the card Blur Sliver, which is showing up in 56% of those Sliver Grave Mother decks. This is a simple three mana sliver that helps give your slivers haste. And that is very, very helpful. The thing is, there are so many other slivers that also give haste that I don't think you end up needing this one. For example, Cloud Shredder Sliver is a 2-mana haste and flying, or there's the new Firewake Sliver, also 3-mana, and it also can let you sacrifice your slivers to buff up other slivers. Those ones are already really great, and they're showing up in like 97% and 58% of sliver decks. But then there's also even like Heart Sliver, which is actually showing up in fewer Sliver Grave Mother decks than the Blur Sliver. And that one's 2-mana to give all slivers uh, haste. Granted, to just say all slivers, not just slivers you control, but like... When you're in a sliver deck, I think the mana cost does matter. Having those extra things, uh, like th- those little edges can definitely add up. So here, I think Blur Sliver is proving to be a little bit redundant. You've got so many other things that already do that effect that I don't think you need this one. So I'm going to say that 56% inclusion for Blur Sliver, probably a little bit too high. And you can maybe cut that one to either make room for the Heart Sliver if you want a cheaper version of that effect, or make room for a different sliver that's going to give you any other type of benefit beyond the stuff that you've already got access to. So that is my challenge this week. Well, Joey, I actually also have 
a pre-constructed commander to challenge here. So mine is going to be for the new Murders at Karlov Manor pre-constructed decks, the Deep Clue Sea deck, one specifically. So Morska Undersea Sleuth is the face commander for that. And this is the commander that's all about rewarding you for making a bunch of clue tokens, drawing extra cards, and then putting plus one plus one counters onto Morska after you draw your second card each turn. So the card that I think is just absolutely just a powerhouse here is gonna be Rise and Shine. It's only getting added to about 22% of decks right now. And Rise and Shine is just absolutely one of those cards that I think gives Commander a whole lot of charm, but also one that I've been trying really hard to find a home for myself. We talk a lot about how some of these Bant decks, they. They, they're really, really good at generating a ton of value, but then they don't actually find ways to close the game and actually win. Rise and Shine is just that card. So one in a blue for a source that says, target non-creature artifacts you control becomes a zero, zero artifact creature. Put four plus one plus one counters on each artifact that became a creature this way. And then the really powerful version of this is the overload cost that is four blue, blue. So you can turn all of your non-creature artifacts into four, four beaters, it's just a great way to convert a lot of maybe extra clue tokens you have laying around. If you're playing, I don't know, like a cat Academy manufacturer, all those clue food and treasure tokens into four fours. It's just an absolute beating. There's also overdrive awakener, which is a creature version of this. There's a lot of really, really powerful ways that you can weaponize these artifacts, especially the tokens that you're making in the deck. And you just you got to find something to win the game with. And these are great ways to do that. Yeah, that Cyberdrive Awakener is showing up in nearly 50% of the Morska deck so far. So Rise and Shine definitely should rise up to meet those numbers, I think, because they're both so efficient at winning games for this type of strategy. Yeah, absolutely. It's, they're both cards that should be probably played and added to more Morska decks than they currently are. Well, uh, my challenge this week is brought to us by super fan and listener Crab Baskets. Um, Crab says that he got to taking a look at the card Familiar's Ruse. Um, Familiar's Ruse is a two-mana counterspell. As an additional cost to cast a spell, return a creature you control to its owner's hand, and then counter the spell. Um, Crab writes, it feels like a tempo hit to bounce a creature you you have in play to counter a spell, but in the right deck, being able to recast a creature to get an ETB trigger can be very powerful on top of being able to counter a spell. And he was curious how many Cascade Commanders run this, since Familiar's Ruse can just bounce that Cascade Commander back to your hand and let you get a Cascade trigger again. Um, and currently only two Yidris Maelstrom Wielder decks are running Familiar's Ruse, and only four Maelstrom Wanderer decks are running it. Now, there's a logic to not playing counterspells in that kind of deck. They aren't things that you're going to easily be able to hit with your Cascade triggers, and they can kind of kill the, the, the chain that maybe you're trying to set off with Maelstrom Wanderer. But there's 500 decks running Counterspell in, in Maelstrom Wanderer, and another couple hundred running counter, straight-up straight Counterspell in Yidris decks. Um, and yeah, there's a logic to replacing things like Counterspell with Familiar's Ruse in that deck. Every Maelstrom Wanderer deck I've ever played in basically is taunting you about destroying their commander so they can recast it. Um, and if you're already running Counterspell, I'd be really, really tempted to just swap that out with Familiar's Ruse. The upside on there is pretty huge, and in that kind of deck, that's just not much downside at all. So that's a good pick, Crab Baskets. If you're doing some kind of a Cascade deck like that, 
from Moody's Roost is a really solid card in that kind of deck or a deck just filled with ETB stuff in general. Dana, this challenge reminds me of you challenging Abjure a long time ago, mm -hmm. uh, which is the one blue mana counterspell that forces you to sacrifice a blue permanent to counter a spell. Um, and you've used that in some very brutally efficient ways, but Familiar's Ruse can be used uh, in some similar ways too. Like <laughs> when you see either of those in like a ninja deck to put Yuriko back into the command zone, which is yes. like if you're playing yeah. a lot of ninjas, that's where she wants to be to command your ninjutsu a little bit more easily to hit people. Yeah, these, um, these counter spells that look like they have a drawback that you can actually manipulate to your own advantage, those are pretty cool moments. So yeah, think think wisely about them. I mean, m manipulating a drawback to an advantage is a great way to wind up running a weird underplayed card that doesn't see play anywhere else in a commander deck. Hey, look at you bringing things full circle back into our main topic, Dana. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I, I actually I'm a do professional. also- uh, Super professional, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do also, like, I've got another example here that is sort of just a category of things that I feel like we don't get to appreciate very much in other uh, aspects of the, the Magic the Gathering universe, I guess. And I just like- I just kind of want to shout out Fogs. <laughs> like, I think I've made an entire video about, like, you should play more Fogs. Because in Commander, they really are, they, they can be absolutely huge upsets. But, like, in another format, you, you really don't want to play Fogs. Like, it's so much more efficient for you to remove an opponent's creature or creatures as opposed to stalling them out for one turn. So a regular Fog is not great in one-on-one -on -one magic. But but in EDH, sometimes it feels like you're time-walking somebody. <laughs> so, like, I, but the last time that I got to blow someone out with a Batwing Broom, which made them not only, like, I prevented their damage, but also they lost life for each creature that was attacking. Like, those moments are also quintessential EDH to me. There's no way that those don't bring a smile to your face. So I, I just want to ch shout out Fogs as another category that kind of meets the, the the topic of the show too yeah and they're the kind of spell that w one of the things we've we've talked about plenty in the past is like creating stories yeah and like fogs are great for doing that they create that story where like someone has the blowout board state that they think is going to kill everybody um and suddenly they don't and they're wide open for someone to then swing back and take them out uh three people in some cases um <laughs> that, that, that just almost lost the game are now like have their knives sharpened for revenge so yeah no that's that's are, are they always the most optimal thing to run necessarily? No, but they're interesting cards that don't see a lot of play elsewhere and, and, and make for good stories. I mean, I would argue that there's there's some pretty good fogs these days, though. Like you have stuff sure, like Ink Shield, Arachnogenesis. Like, mm. yes, the, all the things that Joey just said about fogs still are true. But finding ways, again, to weaponize the spells that you're casting, they're they're pretty great at winning games, too. Nowadays, when we talk about fog, we're not talking about fog. No, <laughs> really, you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, and they also have started to lean a little bit more into the illusionist's gambit style fog too. That really do like play with the multiplayer nature. And it is like, where else are you going to play these only commander legal cards? <laughs> like than commander, obviously. Um, but like, I, I do appreciate like Matt. Uh, you really enjoy the misleading signpost new card because of its redirection ability, right? Yeah, I do. It, it, it's just a fantastic way. You're not actually fogging, but you're just playing around with, okay, uh, I want you to attack that person instead. So the politics of Commander get to be expressed on physical cards. That's a really, really fun way to play Commander because 
uh, you're getting a lot of different things going on just in one card. Yeah, and they just made that new Take the Bait card as well in the Karlov Manor set, which is the Boros version of Illusionist's Gambit, I guess. Um, the instant that you can only cast during an opponent's uh, turn and only during their combat, and you prevent all damage that would be dealt to you in Planeswalkers. You control this turn, but then you untap all those things that they were attacking with, and you goad them, and then they have to attack again. <laughs> so it's just like, listen, you can still attack my opponents, but you're going to leave me alone, and, and in fact, you have to attack my opponents. And so they keep leaning into those, and I think those also can make for some fun moments where it's just like, dang, these had a wild effect now didn't they one i'm a fan of um and this one's a little bit more universal it doesn't necessarily want to go in a specific deck like a lot of the ones we've talked about keep watch um is a blue instant two and a blue draw a card for each attacking creature and i i think people tend to want to run it in a deck where you are going to have a lot of attacking creatures because then you can control you know what you're doing so if you're playing some kind of a blue token deck it's it's great um but it's not just restricted to what you're doing. You can cast that on anyone else's turn. It's not creatures that you control that are attacking. It's just attacking creatures. And there's a lot of situations where, you know, someone else is doing that disgusting thing with a whole bunch of creatures and lets you draw a mitful off what they are doing, even if they're attacking somebody else. Um, it, again, it's just one of those cards that, like, people aren't prepared to swing at somebody with eight creatures and you the the third party sitting there just draws a mitt full of cards and at three mana too if we're talking about like cards just being generally pretty useful you only need to draw two cards at instant speed <laughs> for that to be a pretty good rate of return just in general for blue instant speed draw spells True. and think about how many times you see people attack with two creatures and commander on a single turn that's every turn more or less you know for the most part let alone how many times you see them attack with three or six or eight or 12 or whatever it winds up being. Yeah, it's got that big berserk energy yeah. of like, oh, let me muddle with someone else's combat just a little bit just because yep. just because it can, just because it's fun. Oh, I'm going to have you, you're attacking them, I'm going to help you and also hurt you, but I'm going to help you. But there's so many different cards though that kind of play around with the, the multiplayer aspect that really just make things fun. One of my favorites is Modify Memory. Uh, it's four, four and a blue, and you get a sorcery that says exchange control of two target creatures controlled by different players. Now, that effect we've seen a lot. We, we that, That's not a novel concept. But tacking on the if you controlled neither creature, you draw three cards. Mm. It's such a fun way to just play around with the, the multiplayer political aspect of Commander that we just we don't get other places. Yeah, Matt, as soon as you said this one, I was just like, dang it, because I've seen what you can do with this card where you're like, maybe you'll give away something that you don't care about so that you can steal something. But also sometimes you'll just ruin our day. But it's like, all right, you two, let's swap your commanders, which don't do anything for each other's decks. And also I get to <laughs> get to draw cards just, you know, because uh, like, uh, yeah, you're, you're kind of a fiend with this one a little bit, which I think is um, really, really terrific, even if I'm a little bit a uh, little bit salty about it still. I mean, that th that card specifically, though, I saw it because uh, Sheldon Menor, you had been playing it in his You Did This to Yourself deck. Mm -hmm. So I think anything from that deck specifically just gets an honorary pass anyways for <laughs> adding to the culture of Commander. Another card from my Council 4 deck that I really like is just Secrets of the Golden City, mm -hmm. which yeah. it was kind of only regularly played a little bit in draft-ish, but it's one blue-blue for a source that says draw two cards, but if you have the City's Blessing, you draw three cards instead. And well, in Commander, it's all about how much can you put on the board. And it's not that hard to, to get the city's blessing to ascend and have 10 or more permanents on the battlefield. So really, Secrets of the Golden City is just a draw three. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it's it's so weird to hear Matt talk about blue cards. Uh, that's just a, a thing. I <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is a little jarring for me too. <laughs> yeah, um, but kind of going back to like the the futzing with the multiplayer nature of things. I also wanted to quick shout out the card Douthy Embrace, which is another personal favorite of mine. Mm -hmm. That also has those maybe I'll hinder, maybe I'll I'll help, maybe I'll just serve my own needs. And that's the uh, three mana black enchantment that you can pay two black to give target creature shadow until end of turn, which has so many applications this card would be mm -hmm. such a dud in a regular one-on-one -on -one game I, there's no other format where i'm going to be able to make use of this thing but you can give your own creature shadow so that it's basically impossible for someone else to block or you can give someone else's attacking creature shadow so that it can't be blocked when they're attacking one of your mutual opponents or you can give a creature shadow to make it so that it cannot block other stuff this this card's so good and it's only showing up in 6400 decks right now oh i love doubt the embrace and i love the little annoying but matt i'm gonna doubt the embrace you since you modified my memory all right that, that's <laughs> That's, uh, that's what we're going to do here. <laughs> that's fine. If that's the trade-off that we have to go through, I, I can live with that. <laughs> well, speaking of like little annoying things, um, I'm not sure if if the white and black counter spells are necessarily that great. In white, particularly, you have reprieve and you have lapse of certainty. In black, I tend to think of imps mischief in particular. Mm. They're useful and they're pretty good, but I'm I, I'm not sure if very often you can rationalize like running them over something that just solves a problem in those colors. Mm -hmm. However, <laughs> they're always fantastic. To, it's always a great thing to do to somebody because no one is ever ready for the white counterspell or the black counterspell. You know, you know, those are things that catch people off guard. The, very rarely are they ever dead. They're just maybe not optimal. But where else are they going to see play? And they create, again, create a good story, create a good memory, create a good game. Whenever someone equips a Sunforger to their creature, I am immediately worried about white counter spells for the rest of the game. Sure. <laughs> I'm just like, dang it, they can do anything now. Sure. Yeah. Or, or I mean, even if it's not a counter spell, you still can get stuff like deflecting SWAT. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just impossible to get rid of anything. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, Sunforger is like I, that. That was one of the first cards I opened when I first started playing in in like the the mirrored into early Ravnica stuff. I saw Sunforger and I was just like, oh, Thor's hammer. This is an interesting game. Let me try it. And wasn't great when I was trying to build one-on-one -on -one decks against people, but in Commander, it's like another one of those quintessential Commander cards. I'm just like, oh, thank goodness we get to play this card here. So that's that's also kind of a thing, in addition to the fact that it helps you find more cards, like those white counter spells, which also are a terrific thing to experience here in this format. Well, and uh, if, if you'll indulge me, I've got one last one here that I, I also just want to shout out, because again, where else am I going to find home for this card except for Commander? Although it does probably kind of tip the scales into like being brutally efficient rather than just charming but that's that's the card tombstone stairwell which i've become kind of known for in my conrad deck because of how much damage it can deal um the tombstone stairwell is the four mana world enchantment with cumulative upkeep of two mana so you have to pay a lot of mana to keep this thing around and it says at the beginning of each upkeep that's each upkeep if tombstone stairwell is on the battlefield each player creates a 2-2 black zombie creature token with haste named tomb spawn for each creature card in their graveyard and at the beginning of each end step or when tombstone stairwell leaves the battlefield you destroy all tokens created with tombstone stairwell they cannot be regenerated that's so many words and this is a, a four mana enchantment that relies upon you having a bigger graveyard than your opponents for it to do anything in a one-on-one -on -one format and you have to keep it around and i think that's on the reserve list it's only like i think like eight bucks right now or something like that but like in commander the words each upkeep <laughs> each upkeep and if conrad is seeing all those tokens get destroyed all the turn oh oh it's it's so much damage and again it's just one of those cards where like where else am i going to get the chance to play this and and, and i guess like th this one is less on the silly side and it really is veering more into like 
oh that that's like gross oh that's that's wild and it's really like oh no this is this is just like good but that's also a thing that we get to enjoy about commander 2 isn't just that like oh we found something that's a little bit silly but also we found something that's just like oh i didn't know how powerful that card could be and we've unlocked a potential and that's also a cool feeling i just wanted to shout out see i i would argue that the most powerful word in commander is each honestly not when it's target it's each yeah and it helps everything scale. It helps everything go up and bigger, whether it's the multiplayer or it's like with overload instead of target artifact becomes a four, four each. Yeah. And it just, I think that is probably the single most powerful word for commander players. Yeah. So my kind of last thought on this subject in general, it kind of goes back to what I said in the beginning. I, I would suggest the, the the best way to do this, to find these cards, isn't to just necessarily look for weird cards. Um, cause there's a lot of cards out there. <laughs> I, I think the best way to do it is like, look for a way to do something interesting or different with your deck. And then that will give you a direction to look. If you have decided to not run any, you know, creatures in your deck, uh, and I have a creature with stack, um, then that's going to make you find a way to like, how can I emulate what I was, would be normally doing with creatures in this deck with something else. I think that is the best way to kind of find yourself to find a way to look for a specific card without just like generically looking through every single card ever printed, trying to find something that looks interesting for a list. Find find some kind of a way to to make an opening in your deck that's looking for a specific weird thing, and then you can narrow down what you're trying to find. I like that. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> there, there is also, I think, when we are first putting a deck together, or when we're first getting into Commander, there's a lot of the struggle of like, how do I make the deck do anything at all in the first place? Mm-hmm. And I think that consumes a lot of our mental energy on that deck. But especially once we get into the groove of understanding how that deck works, we realize what is necessary, what isn't, and that's where it feels to me like once we've worn that leather uh, weather down so that it feels more like, oh, okay, it, it knows what its job is. That's when we can mm-hmm. actually start to. Find Find those flares and those flourishes too so maybe a little bit of familiarity is i don't know kind of a nice thing uh i guess i, I i'm kind of pondering whether ugin's nexus was in matt's first draft of his vevictus deck if that makes any sense matt you can answer that better than i can but like that, that feels like a flare that you added later maybe i can definitely answer it was not in my first draft by any means yeah yeah and so these are discoveries that we get to make as well mm-hmm. and that feels nice it, it, it's not a thing that we we know for sure what we're going to do right from right from the bat all of the time mm-hmm. and that discovery aspect is uh, a fun thing to to lean into yeah i think going off color sometimes helps you discover this stuff too um similarly like if you're going to build a Boros equipment deck, it's probably going to be kind of difficult to find an odd card that isn't already seeing play in Boros equipment decks that works mm-hmm. with your Boros equipment theme. Whereas if you build an Orzov equipment deck or a Selesnya equipment deck or something, Gruul equipment, then there's probably it's probably easier to find this thing from you know 15 years ago that got printed that will make sense in that deck that doesn't see very much play and is weird and kind of fun and cool than it will be, you know, playing the typical combo for that archetype dana don't don't give matt more ideas about how to beat me you said selesnia equipment and i don't 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 give him ideas <laughs> I, 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 right. brother i don't need any more ideas for selesnia they're all there already. <laughs> fantastic all right listeners we'd love to hear from you about your favorite cards that uh have this charm to them that what are the cards that you look at and you're like that that is what commander is all about those things that you can't necessarily do just anywhere else but with that we're going to call this episode to a close so fellas if our listeners want to get in touch with us to tell us about those magnificent cards that they're playing where can they find you online matt 
So you can find me on pretty much any social media platform at Mathemus55. That's M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S-5-5. And don't forget, we have joined Team Ultimate Guard. If you want some of the best magic accessories on the market, check out Ultimate Guard for all of your needs. And Dana. You can find me on the interwebs at Dana Roach. I'm writing articles for EDH Rec and Commander's Herald. And you can find all of us together at patreon.com slash And I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me online at Joseph M. Schultz, most likely being a fool on Instagram. And if you've got a question for us, you can find the cast at EDH RecCast everywhere online. And you can contact us at EDHRecCast at gmail.com. Our thanks go out once again to Chase for their fantastic work in the post-production of the show. You can find them online at Mana Curves. Listeners, we'll be back at you next week with more data and insights. But until then, remember, EDH, wreck your deck before you wreck your deck. Mm -hmm.